0: In this conference, I will occasionally cite some sources, but since I've quoted from so many, it would be tedious to cite them all from the pulpit. Ave Maria Parissima, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Let's turn to the Third Secret. An Italian journalist comments on the circumstances of the release of the Third Secret, quote, after a long and dramatic deliber- deliberation, the Pope personally decided to publish the text in 2000. It was announced in the most solemn manner from the Sanctuary of Fatima, before the Pope and the Visionary by the Vatican Secretary of State. And it was even published on June 26, 2000, with the accompaniment of a theological commentary by the highest doctrinal authority of the Church next to the Pope, Colonel Joseph Ratzinger, Prefect of the former Holy Office, presented the text in secret as commentary at nothing less than a press conference televised worldwide. Close quote. So here's the text. Sister Lucia. The third part of the secret revealed to the Covid Fatima on 13th July 1917. I had written in obedience to my God who commanded me to do so through His Excellency the Bishop Liera, and through your Most Holy Mother and mine. After the two parts which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing and gave out flames, that looked as though they would set the world on fire. But they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. And we saw in an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it, a bishop dressed in white. We had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks, as of a cork tree with its bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step. Afflicted with pain and sorrow, he prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way, there died, one after another, the, very, the other bishops, priests, men and women and religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels each, with a crystal aspersorium in his hand, which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. 2 3 1 1944. Close quote. Now, for very good reasons, many people have gotten the impression this vision refers simply to Aliaga's uh, 1981 assassination attempt on the Pope. Uh, the Italian journalist Sochi explains why. On May 13, 2000, Carlo Sedano, he was the Vatican Secretary of State, announces that the famous Third Secret of Fatima will soon be published, and at the same time anticipates the theological interpretation of that extremely delicate text by linking the vision to the assassination attempt. One Vaticanist comments, What happened on May 13, 2000, represents something unique in the history of the Church. A correct interpretation was offered even before the text to be interpreted was provided. Close quote. Many Catholics don't realize that uh, Paul VI placed the Secretary of State over the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. So after the announcement of preemptive explanation of this vision by superior Cardinal Sedano, Cardinal Ratzinger, was then asked to make a theological commentary on the text. So she explains, quote, On June 26, Cardinal Ratzing was not able to make a free theological comment on the text, but insistently declared that the interpretation was by the Secretary of State, and that he is only giving points of reflection within the confines of a predetermined interpretative framework, stating explicitly the limits of his commentary. Close quote. Sochi continues, noting that that not only did uh, Cardinal Ratzinger downplay the significance of this interpretation, he also stressed that, concerning the Fatima visions, there are no official definitions, nor obligatory interpretations, close quote, and that there are other attempts at interpretation which can be well-founded. The Cardinal also stressed, in response to an inquiry from a bishop, that he did not at all wish, quote, to attribute exclusively to the past the contents of the secret in a simplistic manner, close quote. In other words, one possible explanation of the vision was given, but we're perfectly free to, uh, to seek other possibilities, and that's exactly what we'll do for the rest of the talk. So let's get started by asking ourselves, what does this vision mean? What does it mean? Is it possible that Our Lady would come down from heaven to Fatima, deliver a mysterious and puzzling message to three little children, perform one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world in order to conform, or c- confirm the heavenly source of and importance of that message and yet not impl- explain it? Is that possible? Is it possible that Our Lady would show this almost incomprehensible vision of these children and not explain it? Is that possible? It's not possible. It's not possible Our Lady would show a perfectly comprehensible vision of hell to the children and explain what that means, and then show them another vision, a mysterious vision, but then give no explanation as to what that means. It's just not possible. Now, it's important to remember that Lucia is the only one of the three children that both saw and heard Our Lady and, saw her and, Our Lady and spoke to her. She spoke to Our Lady. She's the only one that spoke during the apparitions. Blessed Jacinta could both see and hear Our Lady, but she didn't speak to her during the apparitions. Francisco could see everything, but he never heard a word. That's why Our Lady told the girls, do not tell this to anybody. Francisco, yes, you may tell him. So why does that matter? Because the released text describes a vision. The release text is a description of the vision the three children saw, all three of them. But there are no words from Our Lady. Our Lady told the girls they were not supposed to tell this to anybody, but they could tell it to Francisco. So what are they supposed to tell Francisco? What could they tell him? He saw everything they saw. So we're missing something. We're missing the very words of Our Lady that explain this enigmatic etym- vision. Sochi knows. If the attack of 1981 is really the complete fulfillment of the secret, and if it is something that has been now consigned to the past, already realized, our attention is drawn to an interesting and mysterious phrase that John Paul II uttered to Vita Missori in, in the book interview Crossing the Threshold of Hope. The book was published in 1994 and hence was written many years after the attack of 1981. The Pope was, in fact, recalling the attack. Therefore, when I was shot by the assassin in St. Peter's Square, I did not pay any heed at first to the fact that it was precisely the anniversary of the day on which Mary had appeared to the three shepherds in Fatima, in Portugal, revealing to them those words which, by the end of the century, seemed to be moving towards their fulfillment. It is amazing that these words of the Pope have passed without observation we find in them at least two important revelations. The first is that 13 years after the attack, that is, at the end of the century, John Paul II held that the Fatima prophecy had yet to be realized completely. The second revelation is that as the Pope informs us, the prophecy whose fulfillment is is approaching was expressed by Mary with words. Something, if taken literally, has an explosive significance, close quote. Okay. So if we're going to take the words of St. John Paul too literally, or seriously, then it's obvious there are words spoken by Our Lady in the Third Secret. It's obvious that the message of Fatima didn't find its fulfillment in the 1981 assassination attempt. It's obvious that if the message of Fatima was moving towards its fulfillment in 1994, we're much closer today. And in fact, just a few years ago, in 2013, the Sisters of her convent published a biography of Sister Lucia in which we learn that the Virgin appeared to Sister Lucia on January 3rd, 1944, and told her to, quote, be at peace and write what I have commanded you, but not, however, that which has been given to you to understand its meaning, close quote. Be at peace and write what I have commanded you, but not, however, that which has been given to you understand its meaning. So the sisters from Sister Lucia's own convent, in a book they themselves have published, confirm that something is missing from the vision standing alone. And what is missing? The very explanation of the vision's meaning that was given to the children by Our Lady. A careful reading of a letter Sister Lucia wrote to her bishop on January 9, 1944 seems to indicate that Sister Lucia composed two different documents. Quote, I've written what you asked me. God willed to try me a little, but finally this was indeed his will. The text is sealed in an envelope and it is in the notebooks." Close quote. The text is sealed in an envelope and it is in the notebooks. The book, The Fourth Secret, I want to make it clear I'm not giving an unqualified recommendation to the book. That being said, it has interviews and information not uh, available elsewhere. The book, The Fourth Secret, written by Antonio Sochi, he's a friend of Benedict XVI, an acclaimed Italian journalist and television personality, and a a devout Catholic, contains evidence, including direct testimony from the personal secretary of Pope St. John XXIII, that demonstrates, in fact, there are two different envelopes from Sister Lucia, containing two documents pertaining to the Third Secret. Obviously then, one contains the description of the vision and the other the explanation of the vision's meaning. It's not within the scope of this talk to go into those details. The point is, there are two documents. One containing the description of the vision that the three children saw and the other containing the explanation that Our Lady gave to Sister Lucia and Blessed Jacinda and that she told not to tell to anybody, but they, they could tell it to Blessed Francisco. We even know how long the unreleased document The explanation of the third secret is, before the secret was taken Rome in 1957, the auxiliary bishop of Liera Fatima held up the envelope to the light, and he saw an ordinary sheet of paper with three-quarter centimeter margins on which were written approximately 25 lines. Cardinal Ottaviani, he was the head of the Holy office, it's now called the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. Cardinal Ottaviani, who read the Third Secret, later stated that the secret was 25 lines long, written on a single sheet of paper. Obviously, this is a document that contains the explanation of the vision. But in the vision released in 2000, written in Sister Lucia's handwriting, is about 64 lines long, you can log on the Vatican website, that's what I did, and it takes up four sheets of paper. So there are two documents. One contains a description of what the three children saw, and the other contains Our Lady's explanation of the meaning of this vision. More importantly, Sochi argues persuasively that in fact Rome has revealed in an implicit manner the central context of the second envelope, the envelope that contains the words of Our Lady, which enables them to say in conscience that all the third secret has been revealed. Later on, we'll examine his argument. Before we do that, in an effort to come to some probable conclusions about the meaning of this cryptic vision, we'll start by considering a letter dated May 12th, 1982, written by Sister Lucia to the Pope. Now interestingly enough, May 12th, 1982, is the very day that Our Lady of Fatima thwarted another assassination attempt on St. John Paul II. The Pope had been shot with poison bullets by Aliaga in in St. Peter's Square in 1981 on May 13th. And so the Pope returned to Fatima a year later to thank Our Lady for preserving his life when Father Juan Fernandez Crone, a priest of the Society of St. Pius X, attacked him with a bayonet. He actually drew blood, but he was uh, stopped before he could kill the Pope. The the SSPX retroactively removed him, but he'd left an SSPX Priory that morning with a note saying he wouldn't be back later that night. Anyway, let's turn to the letter. Sister Lucia, quote, The third part of the secret refers to Our Lady's words. If not, Russia will spit her airs throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions to the Church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. She continues. The third part of the secret is a symbolic revelation referring to this part of the message, conditioned by whether we accept or not what the message itself asks of us. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, etc. Since we did not heed this appeal of the message, we see that it has been fulfilled. Russia has invaded the world with her errors. And if we've not seen the complete fulfillment of the final part of this prophecy, we're going towards it little by little with great strides If we do not reject the path of sin, hatred, revenge, injustice, violations of the rights of the human person, immorality and violence, etc. And let us not say that it is God who's punishing us in this way. On the contrary, it is people themselves who are preparing their own punishment. In his kindness, God warns us and calls us to the right path, while respecting the freedom He has given us. Hence people are responsible. Close quote, Sister Lucia. Okay. So given that the third part of the secret is a symbolic revelation conditioned by whether or not, whether we accept or not what the message itself asks of us, we'll spend a few minutes trying to come to a deeper understanding of the symbolism contained in this message. We'll do that by considering four things. First, we'll briefly consider again the implications of the miracle of the sun in itself. Second, we'll consider the implications, some implications right now, uh, seen in this mysterious vision that was released in 2000 by the Vatican. Third, we'll weigh the testimonies of various reliable witnesses who have either read the Third Secret themselves or have received information from Sister Lucia or the Pope indicating its contents. And fourth, we'll consider aspects of several approved apparitions which shed light on certain aspects of this vision. Now what we're doing here is making preliminary observations. Later on, after we've looked at everything, we'll bring this together with a, a conjectural uh, explanation of the vision. And at the same time, we'll be able to see why the Vatican can truly say that everything has been revealed, and we'll also get some idea of why they chose to th- reveal things in the way that they have. And uh, so that's where we're going from here. Implications of the miracle in itself. We saw that the witnesses themselves, the witnesses to the miracle of the Son, were convinced that they were witnessing the end of the world. We saw that the miracle itself had apocalyptic overtones which are consistent with the teaching of Scripture and the Fathers. St. Alphonsus, for example, summarizing the teaching of the Fathers states, another sign of the end of the world will be, and the powers of heaven shall be moved. Some understand this to mean tremors and unusual movements which will occur in the heavens. That is, the firmness of the heavens will seem to be lacking, as they will tremble before the Lord comes to judge the world. And the coming of the judge will be preceded by fire. Fire will descend from heaven and shall burn earth and all things upon the earth. The earth, defiled by sin, must be purified by fire. Thus St. Alphonsus. We saw the rain and the sun shooting all the colors of the rainbow, are reminiscent of the judgment of mankind by means of the great flood. We saw that the sun falling from the sky is reminiscent of the fire falling from the sky in Sodom and Gomorrah, and also from the fire that, according to the witness of both Scripture and tradition, will fall from the sky at the end of the world. We saw that, according to ancient rabbinical tradition, both the Great Flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah were both provoked by the same types of sins. In fact, in two different places in the ancient rabbinical commentaries, they say the Great Flood, that the cause of the Great Flood is when they began to write contracts for marriages between men and men and men and animals they were there. Turning to the implications of the vision itself, we'll read e- excerpts from the vision and just make a brief comments on them at this time. After the two parts which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing, gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire. But they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. So we see Our Lady holding back with her right hand the sort of punishment held by the angel who's telling us to do penance. But as Sister Lucia pointed out, it's a symbolic revelation. condition by whether we accept or not what the message itself asks of us. And since we did not heed this appeal of the message, we see that it's been fulfilled. We're going towards a complete fulfillment of this, little by little with great strides. Benedict XVI, during a pilgrimage to Fatima on May 13, 2010, stated, quote, "...he deceives himself who thinks the prophetic mission of Fatima is concluded. There are indicated future realities of the Church, which little by little are manifesting themselves." and therefore it is the sufferings of the Church which are announced. Man has the power to unleash a cycle of death and terror, but he's not able to stop it. And the faith in vast regions of the earth risks being extinguished like flame without a fuel. The October 1981 issue of the German magazine Stimme des Glaubens reported on discussion that Pope John Paul II had with a select group of German Catholics in November of 1980. The following is a verbatim report of the discussion. Quote, the Holy Father was asked, what about the Third Secret of Fatima? Should it not have been already been published by 1960? Pope John Paul II replied, given the seriousness of its contents, my predecessors in the Petrine office diplomatically preferred to postpone publication so as not to encourage the world power of communism to make certain moves. On the other hand, it should be sufficient for all questions to know this. If there is a message in which it is written that the oceans will flood whole areas of the earth and from one moment to the next millions of people will perish, truly the publication of such a message is no longer something so much to be desired. The Pope continued, many wish to know simply from curiosity and a taste for the sensational, but they forget that knowledge also implies responsibility. They only seek the satisfaction of the curiosity. And that is dangerous if, at the same time, they're not disposed to do something, and if they're convinced that it is impossible to do anything against evil. At this point, the Pope grasped the rosary and said, here is the remedy against this evil. Pray, pray, and ask for nothing more. Leave everything else to the Mother of God. The Holy Father was then asked, what is going to happen to the Church? He answered, We must prepare ourselves to suffer great trials before long, such as will demand of us a disposition to give up even life, and a total dedication to Christ and for Christ. With your and my prayer it is possible to mitigate this tribulation, but it is no longer possible to avert it, because only thus can the Church be effectively renewed. How many times has the renewal of the Church sprung from blood? This time, too, it will not be otherwise. We must be strong and prepared and trust in Christ and his mother and be very, very assiduous in praying the rosary. Close quote, St. John Paul II. At around 4 p.m. on January third, nineteen 1944 in the chapel of her convent before the tabernacle, Sister Lucia asked Jesus to make known his will. This is just published in 2013. This is from notes from, from her convent just published this, by the way. Quote, I then felt a friendly hand, maternal affectionate, touch my shoulder. Our Lady said to her, Be at peace and write what I have commanded you, but not, however, that which has been given to you to understand its meaning. Immediately afterwards, Sister Lucia said, Sister Lucia, quote, I felt my spirit inundated by a mystery of light that is in God, and in him I saw and heard. The point of a lance, like a flame that is detached, touches the axis of the earth, and it trembles, Mountains, cities, towns, and villages with their inhabitants are buried. The sea, the rivers, the clouds exceed their boundaries, inundating and dragging with them in a vortex houses and people in a number that cannot be counted. It is the purification of the world from the sin in which it is immersed. Hatred, ambition provoked the destructive war. After I felt my racing heart, in my spirit a soft voice said, In time, one faith, one baptism, one church holy, Catholic, apostolic. In eternity, heaven. This word heaven filled my heart with peace and happiness in such a way that almost without being aware of it, I kept repeating to myself for a long time, heaven, heaven, close quote. That gave her the strength to write the third secret. She couldn't do it. The bishop asked her to do it, and she just couldn't get it down. It was so horrible to her. And she she had to have a special grace from Our Lady. But this vision is very, very interesting. Continue with the vision. We saw an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it, a bishop dressed in white. We had the impression that it was the Holy Father. It's, that's a very curious wor- wording, a bishop dressed in white, that we had the impression it's the Holy Father. To continue, other bishops, priests, men and women religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks as of a quart tree with a bark. Before reaching it, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins, and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow, He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on the way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. In the same way, there died one after another the the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. So in this part of the vision, we see the Holy Father passing through a big city, half in ruins, filled with corpses, which seems at least at the first uh, uh, glance to be Rome after being sacked. But by whom? And then we see the Holy Father killed by soldiers with bullets and arrows. I mean, who uses arrows anymore for anything but hunting? What's that all about? Hold those thoughts and we'll spend some time considering one of the goals of Islam. One of the very clear goals of their religion, a goal that was actually said by Muhammad himself, is the conquest of Rome. Rome is not just a random place the Muslims want to conquer. They want to conquer the whole world but a specific goal set by Muhammad himself. As Camille Zarouk, a sheikh in Tunisia, stated, quote, the prophet Muhammad said, Rome shall be conquered. Rome will be conquered in our days. This is the age of the Muslims, close quote. And that's not a random sentiment by some kook in Tunisia. In Palestine, for example, Yunis al-Astal, he's a popular cleric for Hamas, and a scholar on Islamic law states, quote, very soon, Allah willing, Rome will be conquered, as was prophesied by a prophet, Muhammad. Today, Rome is the capital of the Catholics, or the Crusader capital, which has declared its hostility to Islam, and has planted the brothers of apes and pigs in Palestine. Uh, He's referring to Jews when he talks about the the brothers of apes and pigs. Isn't Islam a a lovely uh, religion? Today, Rome is the capital of the Catholics, and the Crusader capital, which has declared its hostility to Islam, and has planted the brothers of apes and pigs in Palestine, in order to prevent the reawakening of Islam. This capital of theirs will be an advanced post for the Islamic conquest, which will spread through Europe in its entirety, and then we'll turn to the two Americas and even Eastern Europe, close quote. In other words, he thinks it'll be a, a strategic point from which the, the jihadists will expand into Europe and eventually over here into the Americas. In September 2014, Ab- Ab- Abdul Muhammad al adnadi the official spokesman for ISIS, stated, quote, We will conquer Rome break your crucifixes and we'll make slaves of women by the permission of Allah the Exalted One. Close quote. This is mainstream Islamic thought. For example, Yusuf Al Qaradu Karodui He's probably the most influential Sunni scholar in the world today. He's the chairman of the International Union of Muslim Scholars, published more than 120 books, It's well-known for Islam Online, a popular website he co-founded in 1997. He's the chief religious scholar for it. And he has a TV show called Sharia and Life. It's broadcast in Al Jazeera. It's an estimated uh, 60 million watchers worldwide. In 2002, referring to the declaration of Muhammad himself, He said that the Muslims will soon rise and invade Rome and that Islam will return to Europe as a conqueror and victor. Here's the point. When they're talking about conquering Rome, they're talking about conquering Rome. At least some of the Islamic plans for the conquest of Rome are actually available online. A year ago, on Saturday, March 21st, 2015, the Italian newspaper, Il Giornale published an article. I used Google Translate, so it's a little wooden on the translation which the title of the article tells us is about, quote, a jihadist manual to bring the guerrillas to Rome. The advice use crossbows and handmade bombs, close quote. The article states that it's precisely on Rome that the jihadist ISIS and sleeper cells in Italy have set their eyes. In a new jihadist ebook, the author dispenses advice on how to set Rome on fire. Quoting from the jihadist ebook, quote, the advent of the war for the conquest of Rome, mainly consists of urban warfare in the c- cities and roads of Europe, close quote. The jihadists suggest, quote, rudimentary weapons because they're easy to use because in many cases they are not illegal. Such weapons are considered life-threatening and are also good for self-defense. They should not miss homemade bows and arrows, close quote. So uh, the advice is to stockpile uh, things that aren't illegal. One of the specific advice is bows and arrows. Okay, that's just a few preliminary reflections on the symbolism of the vision. Let's turn to the testimony of witnesses. What we'll do now is sift through some of the statements made by various reliable witnesses who either read the Third Secret themselves or received information from Sister Lucia or the Pope indicating contents thereof. We'll start with a few statements made by the most obvious witness, and that's Sister Lucia. In December 1957, she told Father Fuentes, who was the vice-postulator for the cause of Blessed Francisco And Jacinta, quote, Father, the most holy virgin made me understand that we're in the last times of the world. that ought to give everybody's attention, you can't get much more apocalyptic than that. Okay, the devil is in the mood for engaging in a decisive battle against the virgin, the final battle, where one side will be victorious and the other side will suffer defeat. And the devil knows what offends God the most will gain for him the the greatest number of souls in a short space of time. So he does everything to overcome souls consecrated to God. Because in this way the devil will succeed, leaving the souls of the faithful abandoned by their leaders, thereby the more easily will he seize them. That which afflicts the immaculate heart of Mary and the heart of Jesus is the fall of religious and priestly souls. The devil knows... The religious and priests who fall away from their beautiful vocation drag numerous souls to hell. The devil wishes to take possession of consecrated souls. He tries to corrupt them to, in order to lull to sleep the souls of lay people, and thereby lead them to final impenitence. He employs all tricks, even goes so far as to suggest the delay of entrance into religious life. Resulting from this is, is the sterility of the interior life, and among the lay people, coldness, lack of enthusiasm, regarding the subject of renouncing pleasures and the total dedication of themselves to God. Okay, so here Sister Lucia who speaks of a final battle with the devil, of disaster, corruption, apostasy, and the ranks of priests and religious, who in turn lead the laity into disaster and eternal damnation. Sister Lucia, my mission is not to indicate to the world the material punishments which are certain to come if the world does not pray and do penance beforehand, no. My mission is to indicate to everyone the imminent danger we are in of losing our souls for all eternity if we remain obstinate in sin." Close quote, Sister Lucia. So here Sister speaks not just of damnation but also of the material punishments which are certain to come if the world does not pray and do penance. Sister Lucia, Father, we should not wait for an appeal to the world to come from Rome on the part of the Holy Father to do penance. Nor should we wait for the call to penance to come from our bishops and our diocese, nor from the religious congregations. No, our Lord has very, already very often used these means, and the world has not paid attention. That's why now it is necessary for each one of us to begin to reform himself spiritually. Each person must not only save his own soul, but also help to save all the souls that God has placed on our path. Close quote. To someone who was uh, questing around the content of the third secret, Sister Lucia replied one day, "It's in the Gospel and in the Apocalypse. Read them." Based on these statements of Sister Lucia, we would expect there are apocalyptic elements of the third secret, not just material chastisements, but also indicating disaster, corruption, apostasy in the ranks of priests and religious who lead the laity down the same paths. We know from her own testimony that the third secret took, contained something so terrible she would not be able to write it down without a special intervention, intervention of Our Lady. We mentioned that, but it, in fact, she received an order from a bishop to write down the third secret. It took her more than two months, and she couldn't do it. And she said it wasn't due to natural causes, and she was unable to write it down until the, the Blessed Virgin appeared to her on, on January third, 1944, as we just heard, and told her it was God's will. Speaking of this difficulty, Father Alonso, he was the official archivist of Fatima. He had unrestricted access to Sister Lucia and her writings, and he asked, How are we to understand Lucia's great difficulty in writing the final part of the secret? when she's already written other things that were extremely difficult to put down. Had it been merely a matter of prophesying new and severe punishments, Sister Lucia would not have experienced difficulties so great that a special intervention from heaven was needed to overcome them. But if it were a matter of internal strife within the church and of serious pastoral negligence on the part of high-ranking members of the hierarchy, we can understand how Lucia experienced a repugnance that was almost impossible to overcome by natural means. If it were a matter of internal strife within the Church and of serious pastoral negligence on the part of high-ranking members of the hierarchy, we can understand how she experienced a repugnance that was almost impossible to overcome without a special intervention from heaven. In August of 1931, our Lord spoke to Sister Lucy and said, "'Make a dome to my ministers, Given that they followed the example of the King of France and decla- delayed the execution of my command, like him they will fall into misfortune. It will never be too late to have recourse to, to Jesus and Mary. Now, for anyone that knows what our Lord is referring to there, that's really frightening. On June 17, 1689, our Lord had commanded the King of France, through St. Margaret Mary Alacoque to consecrate France to His sacred heart. So you have the apparitions of the sacred heart. You have the first Fridays. You have the request for the consecration of the sacred heart. It's parallel. The, the, the two situations are parallel. We have the, the, the apparitions of the immaculate heart. We have the, the, the request for consecration to the immaculate heart. We have the five first Saturdays. Okay. Anyway. So... Uh, our Lord commanded the King of France to consecrate France to his Sacred Heart. Just like they asked uh, the, the popes to consecrate Russia to her immaculate Heart. The King did nothing about it. In fact, for a full 100 years, the kings did nothing about it. On June 17, 1789, exactly 100 years from the day, our Lord had asked for the consecration of France to his Sacred Heart, the Third Estate began the French Revolution by declaring itself a National Assembly. Four years later, the king was publicly guillotined. As everybody knows, the French Revolution was an absolute bloodbath. Given that my ministry, ministers follow the example of the king of France, delaying the execution of my command, like him, they will follow him into misfortune. We'll continue sifting through some of the testimonies. In 1952, Pius XII said an Austrian priest, Father Joseph Schweigel SJ to interview Sister Lucia. The interrogation took place on September 2nd of that year. Father Schweigel later stated, quote, I may not reveal anything with regard to the third secret, but I am able to say it has two parts. One part concerns the Pope. The other part is a logical continuation, though I may not say anything, of the words in Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, etc. Uh, remember, he's uh, quoting Our Lady when he says that. Etc. has uh, always been understood to refer to the third secret. So just ask yourself, did Our Lady actually say etc.? Of course not. In fact, when Sister Lucía was interrogated in her church investigation in 1924, she said, quote, then the lady told us some brief words, commanding us not to tell them to anyone except to Francisco alone, close quote. Father Joaquin Alonso, who died in 1981, we've mentioned him just a few minutes ago, he was the official archivist of Fatima, he was considered to be the greatest expert on the subject. He had a number of comments on this, etc. This phrase clearly implies a critical state of the faith from which other nations will suffer, and that's a crisis of the faith. If in Portugal the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, it can be clearly deduced that in other parts of the church these dogmas will be obscured or even lost. It is probable that the text refers concretely to the crisis of faith in the church and to the negligences of the pastors themselves. The Third Secret speaks of internal struggles in the womb of the Church and of grave pastoral negligence by the upper hierarchy and deficiencies of the upper hierarchy of the Church." Close quotes. So we've seen, according to the witnesses, the Third Secret seems to contain two parts, one part pertaining to the Pope, the other being the continuation of the words in Portugal the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, etc. Regarding the part of the Pope in the Third Secret, there are other events in the lives of the children which shed some light on the mysterious vision in which we see in the midst of a half ruined city, the martyrdom of a pope with many bishops, priests, religious laymen. Sister Lucia, one day we spent our siesta down by my parents' well. Jacinta sat on stone slabs on top of the well. After a while, Jacinta called out to me, didn't you see the Holy Father? No, I don't know how it was, but I saw the Holy Father in a very big house, kneeling by a table with his head buried in his hands, and he was weeping. Outside the house, there were many people. Some of them were throwing stones, others were cursing him and using bad language. Poor Holy Father, we must pray very much for him. At another time, we were prostrated on the ground, saying the prayers the angel had taught us. After some time, Jacinda stood up and called to me Can't you see all those highways and roads and fields full of people who are crying with hunger and have nothing to eat? And the Holy Father in a church praying before the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and so many people praying with him? Some days later, she asked me, can I say that I saw the Holy Father and all those people? No, don't you see that's part of the secret? If you do, they'll find out right away. All right, then I'll say nothing at all. Close quote, Sister Lucia. In her lady writing, Sister Lucia seems to be announcing troubles, heresy, and finally the great apostasy which will uh, arise in the church during the latter times. Here are a few excerpts from letters written after 1960 by Sister Lucia. These are excerpts. There's a diabolical disorientation invading the world and misleading souls. The devil has succeeded in infiltrating evil under the cover of good, and the blind are beginning to guide others. And the worst is that he has succeeded in leading to error, and deceiving souls have a heavy responsibility through the place which they occupy. They're blind men leading other blind men. They let themselves be dominated by the diabolical wave invading the world. It is sad, in fact, that so many persons let themselves be dominated by the dollop wave that is sweeping the world, and they are blinded to the point of being incapable of seeing error. Their principal fault is they have del- abandoned prayer. If we are not diligent and careful to obtain from God's strength, we shall fall, for our age is very wicked and we are weak. Only the strength of God can keep us on our feet. Let people say the rosary every day. Our Lady has repeated that in all of her apparitions as if to fortify us in these times of diabolical disorientation in order that we not let ourselves be deceived by false doctrines. Unfortunately, in religious matters, the people, for the most part, are ignorant and allow themselves to be led wherever they are taken. Hence the great responsibility of the one who has the duty of leading them. It is a diabolical disorientation that is evading the world, deceiving souls. It is necessary to stand up to the devil. Our poor Lord, he has saved us with so much love and he is so little understood, so little loved, so badly served. It is painful to see such great confusion in so many persons who occupy places of responsibility. The fact is that the devil has succeeded in bringing evil under the appearance of good and the blind are beginning to lead others. This is like the Lord told us in his gospel, and souls allow themselves to be taken in. Close quote, Sister Lucia. In 1995, Colonel he who is a papal theologian to Popes Pius XII, St. John XXIII, Paul VI, John Paul I, and John Paul II, stated, quote, And the third secret is foretold, among other things, that the great apostasy in the church begins at the top. Close quote. That's a very strong, that's, that's even a shocking statement. The third secret is foretold, among other things, that the great apostasy of the church begins at the top. Think about what that applies. Colonel Ottaviani interviewed Sister Lucia in 1955. He said, quote, the message was not to be opened before 1960. I asked Sister Lucia why this date. She answered, because then it will be clear, close quote. Here's a few brief commentaries from the 60s, 70s, and early 80s on the state of the church, which may shed some light on that. Pope Paul VI, quote, the church is in a disturbed period of self criticism, or what could I could better be called self demolition, close quote, and quote, the opening of the world has become a veritable invasion of the church by worldly thinking. We have perhaps been too weak and imprudent." End quote. There's a great disturbance in this moment in the world of the Church, and thus it is the faith that is in question. What is happening today reminds me of the obscure phrase of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. When the Son of Man returns, will he still find faith on the earth? Books are being published in which the faith is denied in important points, yet the bishops remain silent, as if they did not find anything strange in these books. This, in my opinion, is bizarre. I sometimes read the Gospel at the end times and discern that at this moment there are emerging some signs of this end." Close quote. And quote, We believe that something preternatural is coming into the Church, precisely to disturb it, to suffocate the fruits of the ecumenical council, and to prevent the Church from bursting out into hymns of joy. I have the sensation that from some fissure, the smoke of Satan has also entered into the temple of God. In the Church, too, this state of uncertainty reigns. It was believed that after the council, a sunny day in the Church's history would dawn, but instead there came a day of clouds, storms, and darkness." Close quote, the Vicar of Christ. St. John Paul II, quote, We must admit realistically and with profound suffering that Christians today feel lost, confused, perplexed, and also disappointed. There are ideas diffused which are in contrast with the truth as revealed and always taught, are true and proper heresies diffused in the field of dogma and morals. The liturgy has been altered, immersed in intellectual moral relativism, and therefore in permissiveness. Christians are tempted by atheism, by agnosticism, by vaguely preached Illuminism, and by sociological Christianity, deprived of definite dogmas and moral objectivity. It is necessary to begin all over again." Close quote, the Vicar of Christ. Sister Lucia, Father, how much time is there before 1960 arrives? This is in her 1957 interview. It will be very sad for everyone. Not one person will rejoice at all if beforehand the world does not pray and do penance. I'm not able to give any other details because it's still a secret. This is the third part of the message of Our Lady, which will remain secret until 1960. Father, the devil is in a mood for engaging in a decisive battle against the Blessed Virgin. and The devil knows what it is that offends God the most and which in a short space of time will gain from the greatest numbers of souls. There, thus the devil does everything to overcome son, souls consecrated to God, because in this way the devil will succeed in leaving the souls of the faithful abandoned by the leaders. Thereby, the more easily will he seize them. That which afflicts the immaculate heart of Mary and the heart of Jesus is the fall of religious and priestly souls. The devil knows that religious and priests who fall away from the beautiful location drag numerous souls to hell. The devil wishes to take possession of consecrated souls. He tries to corrupt them in order to lull to sleep the souls of lay people and to lead them to final impenitence. He employs all tricks, even going so far as to suggest the delay of entrance into religious life. Resulting from this is the sterility of the interior life and among lay people, coldness regarding the subject of renouncing pleasures and the total dedication of themselves to God, Close quote. From these words of Sister Lucia it can be inferred, the demonic attack on religious and priests is part of the third secret. And it would become more obvious after 1960. We'll just quickly consider the data from the United States. In 1965, there were almost 13 priests for every 10,000 Catholics. In 2002, there were seven priests for every 10,000 Catholics, a decline of 46%. Between 1965 and 2001, the percentage of parishes without a resident priest increased by more than 500%. Just consider the data on male religious orders in the States. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Jesuit seminarians decreased by 89 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of OFM seminarians decreased by 97 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Christian Brothers in formation decreased by 99 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Benedictine seminarians decreased by 93 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Redemptor seminarians decreased by 98 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Dominican seminarians decreased by 89 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Maryknolly seminarians decreased by 98 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of OMI seminarians decreased by 99 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Vincentian seminarians decreased by 97 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of OFM conventional seminarians decreased by 90 percent. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Passionist Seminarians decreased by 99%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Holy Cross Seminarians decreased by 70%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Augustinian Seminarians decreased by 97%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of ofm captioned Seminarians decreased by 91%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Precious Blood Seminarians decreased by 95%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of La Salette Seminarians decreased by 99%. Between 1965 and 2000, the number of Carmelite Seminarians decreased by 92%. And between 1965 and 2000, the number of Holy Ghost Seminarians decreased by 94%. The devil knows what it is that offend God's the most which in a short space of time will gain from the greatest number of souls. Thus the devil does everything to overcome souls consecrated to God. Because in this way, the devil will succeed in leaving the souls of the faithful abandoned by their leaders. Thereby, the more easily will he seize them. In 1984, Cardinal Ratzinger stated that he had read The Third Secret. Quote, yes, I have read it. Why has it not been revealed? Because according to the judgment of the popes, it adds nothing different to what a Christian must know concerning revelation. That is to say, a radical call to conversion, the absolute importance of history, the dangers threatening the faith and the life of the Christian, and therefore the world, and then the importance of the last things. If it is not made public, at least for now, it is in order to prevent religious prophecy from being mistaken for sensationalism. But the things contained in this third secret correspond to what has been announced in Scripture and has been said again and again in many other Marian apparitions. First of all, that Fatima itself and its well-known contents. Conversion and penance are the essential conditions for salvation. In the vision released, what has been announced in Scripture? And what could be mistaken for sensationalism? In 1985, Cardinal Ratzinger stated, quote, to publish the Third Secret would also signify exposing oneself to the danger of the sensationalistic use of its contents, close quote. How could this vision be used in a way to endanger anyone? In 1990, Cardinal Odey, a close personal friend of Pope John XXIII stated, that in regards to the secret, third secret, quote, the Blessed Virgin was alerting us against apostasy in the church, close quote. A few excerpts from letters written after 1960 from Sister Lucia. One more quick one. That there's a diabolical disorientation invading the world and misleading souls. The worst is... He has succeeded in leading to error and deceiving souls, having heaven responsibility for the place which they occupy. They are blind men leading other blind men. They let themselves be dominated by a diabolical wave invading the world. Quote. Now let's consider the implications of three approved apparitions. We'll start with the, the messages of Our Lady of Good Success. These are approved apparitions which took place to Mother Mariana in Quito, Ecuador, over a period of years from the late 1500s to the early 1600s. The re- relationship between this and the message of Fatima is inferred for reasons that will soon be uh, apparent. On January 20, 1610, Our Lady appeared and told Mother Mariana that in the 20th century, quote, the passions will erupt, and there will be a total corruption of customs. For Satan will reign almost completely by means of the Masonic sects. They will focus particularly on the children in order to achieve this general corruption. Woe to the children of these times. Our Lady continued, describing the abuses that would attach attack each of the sacraments. Woe to the children of these times because it will be difficult to receive the sacrament of baptism and also that of confirmation. She warned that the devil would try to destroy the sacrament of confession and Holy Communion. She lamented the many sacrileges and abuses of the Blessed Sacrament that would occur. The sacrament of extreme unction would be little esteemed, and many people would die without receiving it, thus denied an assistance they would need for that great leap from time to eternity. The sacrament of holy orders would be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. The demon would labor unceasingly to corrupt the clergy and would succeed with many of them. And these depraved priests, will scandalize the Christian people, will incite the hatred of the bad Christians the enemies of the Roman Catholic Apostolic Church to fall upon all priests. This apparent triumph of Satan will bring enormous sufferings upon the good pastors of the Church. About the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his Church, she said this, Masonry, which will then be in power, will enact iniquitous laws with the objective of doing away with this sacrament, making it easy for everyone to live in sin. The Christian spirit will rapidly decay, extinguishing the precious light of faith until it reaches the point there will be an almost total and general corruption of customs. In these unhappy times, there will be unbridled luxury that would conquer innumerable frivolous souls who will be lost. Innocence will almost no longer be found in children, nor modesty in women. In the supreme moment of need of the Church, those who should speak will fall silent. One of the most important apparitions of Our Lady Good success to Mother Marianna took place on February 2nd, 1634, the Feast of the Purification. Mother Mar- Mariana is actually a victim soul for our times. She was specifically asked to be one. As Mother Marianna prayed before the Blessed Sacrament, she saw the sanctuary light extinguish itself, leaving everything in the altar completely dark. Our Lady then explained a number of meetings of the tabernacle light that had been extinguished before her eyes. For the sake of the conference, we'll just excerpt the, the important points. One of the reasons Lamp was extinguished is, quote, because of the spirit of impurity that will saturate the atmosphere in those times, these times. Like a filthy ocean, it will inundate the streets, squares, and public places with an astonishing liberty. There will be almost no virgin souls in the world. Without virginity, it will be necessary for the fire of heaven to fall upon these lands to purify them. During those unfortunate times, evil will assault childhood innocence. In this way, vocations of priesthood will be lost, which will be a true calamity. In this epoch, the secular clergy will be far removed from its ideal because the priests will be careless in their sacred duties. Losing their divine compass, they will stray from the road traced by God for the priestly ministry, and they become attached to wealth and riches, which they will unduly strive to obtain. It is also due to the indifference of the people allowing the name of God to be gradually extinguished and adhering to the spirit of evil, freely delivering themselves to the vices and passions." Close quote. Now let's turn to the apparition of Our Lady Akita to Sister Agnes Katsuko Sasagawa. She's a Japanese nun, and this uh, happened on, this particular one we're reading, it happened on October 13, 1973, which is the exact uh, date, it's the anniversary of the miracle of the sun. Bishop Ito of the Diocese of Akita, Japan found this apparition to be authentic and worthy of belief, and when in Rome he spoke to Cardinal Ratzinger about the apparition. Howard D., who was the former Philippine Ambassador to the Vatican, stated in a 1998 interview with Inside the Vatican magazine that, quote, Bishop Ito was certain Akita was an extension of Fatima, and Cardinal Ratzinger personally confirmed to me that these two images of Fatima and Akita are essentially the same, close quote. So here's the Akita message of October 13, 1973, the very anniversary of the Miracle of the sun. Our Lady of Akita is speaking to Sister Agnes. As I told you, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. There will be a punishment greater than the deluge, such as one will never have seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, sparing neither priests nor faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate they will envy the dead. The only arms that will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Each day recite the prayers of the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the pope, the bishops, and the priests. The work of the devil will infiltrate even the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against other bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromise and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demon will be especially implacable against souls consecrated to God. The thought of loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will no longer be pardon for them. Pray very much the prayers of the rosary. I alone am able still to save you from the calamities which approach. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. Well, it speaks for itself, but there's several points really worth pondering. Our Lady has chosen to warn us about fire falling from the sky, to warn us about this terrible punishment which will fall on us if we don't repent. But notice where she issued this warning. From Akita. That's the precise site of the very last bombing strike of World War II. A bombing strike launched from Guam by 33 uh, American Air Force, Army Air Force B-29s, an attack which occurred at midnight, the very first minutes of the Feast of the Assumption, August 15, 1945. The war ended before all those aircraft had landed back at Guam. Secondly, notice that Our Lady issued this warning about fire from the skies in Japan. It's the only nation to ever have been attacked with nuclear weapons. Now, let's consider the message of Virgin of Revelation in Rome, 1947. Uh, the relationship between this and the message of Fatima is inferred, but the reasons will be apparent. On April 12, 1947, Bruno Cornicchiola, a womanizer and wife-beater, the president of the Missionary Youth Association of the Seventh-day Adventists in Rome, a man who had made a vow to murder Pope Pius XII with a dagger on which he engraved death to the Pope, was taking a break while writing a blasphemous speech attacking Our Lady. When suddenly, she appeared to him. She wore a green veil over a brilliant white dress with a rose colored sash around her waist and was wrapped in intense golden light. In her hands, she held the Bible. She told him, I am the Virgin of Revelation. You persecute me. Enough of it now enter to the true sheepfold, God's kingdom on earth. You must be like the followers your daughter picked. They make no protest, they are silent and do not rebel. Be obedient to the authority of the Pope. Bruno answered, why do you appear to me? I'm a great sinner, I go out with loose women, beat my wife and children, and am ready to murder the Pope. The Blessed Virgin replied, Bruno, the nine First Fridays in honor of the Sacred Heart, which your faithful wife persuaded you to observe before you walked down the road of lies, have saved you. It is through my son's grace that you have been called from a life of sin back to the sacred fold. You must pray much and recite the rosary for the conversion of sinners, of unbelievers, and all Christians. You must go to the Holy Father the Pope, the supreme pastor of Christianity, and personally tell him my message. She gave him a message. Our Lady pointed to something laying near her feet. There on the ground was a black cloth which held a smashed crucifix. The black cloth, similar to a torn vestment, and the broken crucifix lying at the feet of Our Lady symbolized the clerical vestments and other distinguishing signs that so many consecrated souls were soon to discard. She had a message for priests. Among other things, they were to have a deeper faith and reveal truths of the, uh, of the faith. They were to have a greater obedience to the teaching authority of the Church. And they were to have a pure and dignified lifestyle. She prophesied that, starting on the 33rd anniversary of her apparition, there would be many manifestations and graces, both inward and external. When he got home, Bruno told his wife all that had happened and knelt down and begged her forgiveness for the horrible way he had treated her. Later on, he knelt at the feet of Pius XII, presented him the dagger engraved death to the Pope, and begged his forgiveness and delivered Our Lady's message. Permission for pilgrimages and devotion to the Virgin of Revelation was given with unusual speed by the vicariate of Rome. On October 5th, less than six months after Apparition, in St. Peter's Square, Pope Pius XII blessed the statue of Our Lady, the Virgin of Revelation, which was then taken in a huge procession to the site of the Apparition. Today at this site, the Diocese of Rome has a public chapel staffed by conventional Franciscans who offer public Mass there. On the 33rd anniversary of the Apparition, the 12th of April, 1980, more than 3,000 people, including 25 priests, were gathered at the grotto to hear Bruno speak and attend a commemorative Mass during the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the sun began to draw near the earth. It could be viewed without pain to the eyes. It grew larger than normal and turned a variety of brilliant colors. Then in rapid movements, the sun appeared as a cross, an M, a heart surrounded by stars, a heart dripping with blood, the IHS monogram, and so forth. The display lasted for a half hour. Many fallen away Catholics returned to the true faith. Many physical cures uh, occurred. A medical center was set up, and after extensive research, confirmed the miraculous nature of these cures. Two years later, on 12th April 1982, in the presence of a huge crowd, The Miracle of the Sun was repeated. On the 12th of April 1986, The Miracle of the Sun again happened. This time it was filmed shown on Italian TV. I'll read a selection of quotes taken from an article in Il Tempo. It's a large daily newspaper in Rome. 18 April 1986, quote. On the 12th of April last, in the Sanctuary of the Three Fountains on the Via Laurentina, the sun pulsated for a considerable time, like heart subject to violent emotion. At the same time, other incredible changes were observed on the sun's surface, all then faithfully filmed by a cameraman who happened to be on the spot. As though in a surrealistic vision, the sun at one moment turned bright red, and another emerald green. Its colors glowed, and gigantic shafts of light shone down from the sun onto the thousands of witnesses who had flocked to the hill, including both the highly placed ecclesiastics and personalities from the worlds of politics and the arts. Starting from the thirty-third anniversary of her apparition, there were to be precisely as the Virgin of Revelation had prophesied, many manifestations and graces, both inward and external. We have to admit that this promise, great and binding as it was, was very precisely carried out. The whole phenomenon has been filmed by a TV camera, even if, and it is important to remember this, the attitude of the church remains marked by the utmost reticence. Close quote, A.M. Thierry, Yale Temple, newspaper. Obviously, the miracle of sun links it to Fatima. Once again, we see apocalyptic overtones, not just because of the signs in the heaven with the miracle of the sun, but also the title Our Lady chose, the Virgin of Revelation. She appears wrapped in brilliant light, a woman clothed with the sun. We see prophetic indications of an upcoming apostasy. The priests wanted to be more faithfully obedient to the magisterium, to live a pure and dignified lifestyle. We see the prophetic announcements of consecrated souls casting off their habits and other distinguishing signs, In all this in 1947. None of these elements are obvious in the vision of the bishop dressed in white, although in this case, a plot to murder to the pope, which is evocative of the vision of the pope being shot and killed, was fo- foiled by Our Lady in this case, just as she fo- foiled assassination attempts against St. John Paul II in 1981 and again in 1982. Okay. Let's return to Antonio Sochi. We've got some background there. As we have heard, he demonstrates her two envelopes, one of which the The contents therein have been explicitly revealed, that is to say, the envelope containing a description of the vision the three children saw, the vision of Bishop and White. He also argues, in fact, fact that Rome has it revealed, although implicitly the contents of the other envelope, the envelope containing the words of Our Lady. And for this reason, they can stand conscious that all the third secret has been revealed. We've just spent the past few minutes (coughs) reviewing... uh, Testimony of the miracle of the sun. Testimony of various witnesses. Well, we looked briefly at the, at the vision released itself and also at three approved apparitions you know, as to, to, to kind of get some idea of what might be the probable contents of that second envelope. The envelope containing the words of Our Lady. Now let's hear what he has to say. <coughs> Excuse me. Sochi, my hypothesis, which is based also on some private disclosures, is this. In the highly confidential discussion that took place in the sacred palaces between 1999 and 2000 concerning the Pope's wish to reveal the Third Secret of Fatima, a compromise solution was probably reached. In the curia, opposition to publication of the Third Secret had always been prevalent, above all because of the part concerning the Church. For because the prophetic words of the Madonna, which according to the dominant opinion of the Vatican, would be used against the Vatican, would create, create great alarm among the people if made available to public opinion and the media. Probably during these meetings around the Pope, a point of agreement was reached, according to which it was decided that on May 13, 2000, at the end of the Mass for the beatification of the two shepherds of Fatima, publication of the text division, with an interpretation that would link it to events in the past, would be announced. And then the central contents of the message to Madonna would also be published, implicitly, but not explicitly, in the homily that John Paul II gave during the Mass. This would permit them to say conscious that all the third secret had been revealed, but without an integral, explicit publication, so as to avoid, in their opinion, a great shock to the Christian people, sensationalistic broadcasts, and a reaction of panic. This decision probably also would have been made on the strength of an authoritative precedent, which in the Church is always important. Because it being held that Paul VI, while deciding not to publish the Third Secret, wished in his surprising homily during the pilgrimage to Fatima in 1967, a pilgrimage made for the quite significant intention of peace in the Church and preservation of the faith, Paul VI wished to reveal implicitly to the Christian people the essential secret message of the Virgin. He did so by touching precisely on three points, which have always been imagined to be the contents of the secret. One, the fidelity of the church at risk because of po- possible victory of heresy and apostasy. Two, the unity of the church at risk because of schisms and persecutions. And finally, three, the peace of the world, threatened even to the extent that the world would not survive. So Sochi argues that during his pilgrimage to Fatima in 67, Paul VI had already implicitly revealed the third secret, that the, that the, and that's the faith is at risk because of heresy and apostasy, unity is at risk because of schisms and persecutions, and peace of the world is at risk. Back to Sochi. Here are the three fundamental passages of that amazing homily of Paul VI. The first intention is the Church, the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, wish to pray for interior peace. That of council has reawakened many energies in the bosom of the Church, has moped, opened more ample visions in the field of her doctrine, has called all of her children to a clearer conscience and more intimate collaboration, more lively apostolate. It pushes us so this benefit renewal will be conserved and will grow. What an evil it would be if an arbitrary interpretation, not authorized by the magisterium of the Church, were to transform the spiritual reunion into restlessness which dissolves the Church's traditional structure and constitution, substituting theology of true and great teachings with new and partisan ideologies which depart from the norm of the faith, that which modern thought, often lacking the light of reason, neither comprehends nor accepts, finally transforming the apostolic anxiety of redemptive charity, into acquiescence in the negative forms of the profane mentality of worldly customs. What disenchantment, then, would be caused by our effort at a universal approach? This thought carries our memory at this moment to those countries in which religious liberty is practically suppressed, where the denial of God is promoted. We declare the world is in danger. Therefore, we have come by foot to the feet of the Queen of Priests to ask for the gift that only God can give, peace. Men think of the gravity and the greatness of this hour, which could be decisive for the history of the, future, the present and future generation. The picture of the world and of its destiny presented here is immense and dramatic. It is the scene that Madonna opens before us, the scene that we contemplate with horrified eyes. And further, and then a message of supreme utility seems today to reach the faithful from her who is the immaculate, the holiest of all the saints, the cooperative of the Son in the work of restoration of supernatural life and souls. In fact, in devoutly contemplating Mary, they draw from her a stimulus for trusting prayer, a spur to the practice of penance and to the holy fear of God. Likewise, it is in this Marian elevation they more often hear echoing the words with which Jesus Christ announced the advent of the kingdom of heaven, repent and believe in the gospel, and a severe admonition, unless you do penance, you shall all likewise perish. Close quote, Paul is six. Sochi. Most significant is his insistence on penance, And we've seen that to be the beginning of the Third Secret, the vision. And that evangelical warning, unless you do penance, you shall all likewise perish. This makes us think seriously of a prophecy of grave trials for humanity. It is exactly the same evangelical phrase that Cardinal Ratzinger will cite when speaking of the Third Secret. Vittorio Massorio notes in this homily that Paul VI is hinted at, ap- at apocalyptic themes of the secret, but curiously one is thought that this was exactly the road chosen by hierarchy to reveal the contents of a secret which in its literal integrity appears to be too terrible to utter because of the planetary catastrophes it pre-announces, or because it identifies our historical moment even with that page of the apocalypse in which the decisive conflict between Mary Most High and Satan is spoken of. Paul VI is referring precisely to this in the Apostolic Exhortation Signum Mania, given at Fatima the same day, 13 May 1967. Paul VI. The great sign which the Apostle John saw in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, is interpreted by the sacred liturgy, not without foundation, as referring to the Most Blessed Mary, the Mother of all men, by the grace of Christ the Redeemer. Quote. So, in his visit to Fatima, Paul VI invokes the image found in chapter 12 of the Book of Revelation, of the woman clothed by the sun. And he warns the faith is at risk because of the possible victory of heretical ideologies, that, that the tra- traditional structure and constitution is at risk of dissolving, and the peace of the world is threatened, even to the extent the world will not survive. He also warns mankind to repent and believe in the gospel, unless you do penance, you shall all likewise perish. Sochi notes the identical phrase, unless you do penance, you shall all likewise perish, as used by Cardinal Ratzinger when speaking of the Third Secret. Now, Sochi returns the homily given to Fatima by Pope John Paul II just before the announcement that the third secret would be released. Sochi. 33 years after Paul VI, at the same plaza in Fatima, shortly before the announcement of the publication of the text of the vision, John Paul II preached a homily with the same context as that of Paul VI, the same recollection of that page from the Apocalypse, yet revealing even more dramatically and explicitly what the mysterious words, the Madonna, on July 13, 1917, herald for us. John Paul II. According to the divine plan, a woman clothed with the sun came down from heaven to this earth to visit the privileged children of the Father. She speaks to them with a the mother's voice and heart. She asks them to offer themselves as victims of reparation, saying that she was ready to lead them safely to God. And behold, they see a light shining from maternal hands, which penetrates them inwardly, so they feel immersed in God, just as they explain a person sees himself in a mirror. Later, Francisco, one of the three privileged children, exclaimed, We are burning that light which is God, and we are not consumed. What is God like? It is impossible to say. In fact, we will never be able to tell people. God, a light that burns without consuming. Moses had the same experience when he saw God in the burning bush. So after having started with the line from chapter 12 of the Apocalypse, the Pope turns to another line from that same chapter in the Apocalypse. The Holy Father. Another port hand appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. That's uh, Apocalypse 12.3. These words from the first reading of the Mass make us think of the great struggle between good and evil, showing how when man puts God aside, he cannot achieve happiness, but ends up destroying himself. How many victims there have been throughout the last century of the second millennium. We remember the horrors of the First and Second World Wars and other wars in so many parts of the world, the concentration and extermination camps, the gulags, ethnic cleansings and persecutions, terrorism, kidnappings, drugs, attacks on unborn life and the family. The message of Fatima is a call to conversion, Learning humanity to have nothing to do with the dragon whose tail swept down a third of the stars from heaven and cast them to the earth. Apocalypse 12:4. Man's final goal is heaven, his true home, where the heavenly Father awaits everyone with his merciful love. God does not want anyone to be lost. That is why 2,000 years ago he sent his Son to earth to seek and save the lost. And he saved us by his death on the cross. Let no one empty that cross of its power. Jesus died and rose from the dead to be the firstborn among many brethren. In her motherly concern, the Blessed Virgin came here to Fatima to ask men and women to stop offending God, our Lord, who is already very offended. It is a mother's sorrow that compels her to speak. The destiny of her children is at stake. For this reason, she asked the little shepherds, Pray, pray much, and make sacrifices for sinners. Many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray and make sacrifices for them. Close quotes. St. John Paul, too. Sochi. To me, it seems evident that the Pope, with these citations to the apocalypse, has given the world a glimpse into the contents of the Third Secret, because by following the footsteps of Paul VI, but with a more accentuated revelation of the secret, it is reasonable to suppose that this was a compromise, on the basis of which the Vatican can today maintain that it has revealed all of the secret of Fatima. Moreover, every intervention of the Pope at Fatima during his multiple visits contains these same elements. For example, during the pilgrimage of May 13, 1982, the Pope confirmed that the Madonna was profoundly, quote, preoccupied by the threats of apostasy and of moral degradation, which bring with them the collapse of society. And further on, the evangelical invitation to penance and conversion, expressed by the words of the Madonna, is always current, more current than 75 years ago, and even more urgent. The successor of Peter presents himself here as a witness to the immense suffering of man, as a witness to the almost apocalyptic threats which hang over nations over humanity. Can the mother, who with all the force of love she fosters, and the Holy Spirit desires everyone's salvation, remain silent when she sees the very basis of her children's salvation on her mind? No, she cannot remain silent. Close quotes, the Vicar of Christ. So, in his visits to Fatima, Pope John Paul II invokes the same images as Paul VI, identifying Our Lady of Fatima as the very woman found in chapter 12 of the Apocalypse who is clothed with the sun. According to divine man, a plan, a woman clothed with the sun come down from her heaven to this earth to visit the privileged children of Fatima. Sister Lucia's description of Our Lady. There before us in a small home oak, we beheld a lady all dressed in white. She's more brilliant than the sun, radiated light more clear and intense than a crystal glass filled with sparkling water when the rays of the burning sun shine through it. We were so close, only a few feet from her, that we were bathed in the light which surrounded her or rather, which radiated from her. Signing another line from chapter 12 of the Apocalypse, the Holy Father then speaks of the great red dragon at war with the woman. Another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. And he puts it in the context of a titanic battle between good and evil. Sister Lucia. The most holy virgin told me the devil's in the mood for engaging in a decisive battle against the virgin. A decisive battle is the final battle. Where one side will be victorious, another side will suffer defeat. From now on we must choose sides. Either we're for God or we're for the devil. There's no other possibility. The Holy Father speaks of temporal punishments, John Paul II. How many victims have there been throughout the last century, the second millennium? Remember the horrors of the first and second world wars, and other wars in so many parts of the world. The concentration and extermination camps, the gulags, ethnic cleansing and persecutions, terrorism, kidnappings, drugs, attacks, on unborn life and the family. The successor of Peter presents himself here as a witness to the immense suffering of man, as a witness to the almost apocalyptic threats which hang over nations and over humanity. Sister Lucia, believe me, Father, God will chastise the world, and this will be in a terrible manner. The punishment from heaven is imminent. Tell them, Father, that many times the Most Holy Virgin told my cousins Francisco and Jacinta, as well as myself, that many nations will disappear from the face of the earth. She said that Russia will be the instrument of chastisement chosen by heaven to punish the whole world if we not beforehand obtain the conversion of that poor nation. The Holy Father speaking of the undermining of faith asks, can the mother who with all the force of the love that she fosters in the Holy Spirit and desires everyone's salvation remain silent when she sees the very basis of her children's salvation undermined?" No, she cannot remain silent. And he confirms that Our Lady was profoundly, quote, preoccupied by the threats of apostasy and of moral degradation which bring with them the collapse of society. Sister Lucia, the world is plunged in the darkness of error, immorality, and pride. There is a diabolical disorientation invading the world and misleading souls. It is necessary to stand up to it. It is painful to see such great disorientation and so many persons who occupy places of responsibility. People must recite the rosary every day. The Holy Father speaks of the sorrow of Our Lady. In her motherly concern, the Blessed Virgin came here to fatten, to ask men and women to stop offending God, our Lord, who was already very offended. It is a mother's sorrow that compels her to speak. The destiny of her children is at stake. For this reason, she asks the little shepherds, Pray, pray much, and make sacrifices for sinners. Many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray and make sacrifices for them. Sister Lucia, Father, the Most Holy Virgin is very sad because no one has paid any attention to her message, neither the good nor the bad. The good continue on their way but without giving any importance to her message. The bad not seeing the punishment of God actually falling upon them continue their life of sin without even caring about the message. Tell them also, Father, that my cousins Francisco and Jacinta sacrificed themselves because in all the apparitions of the Most Holy Virgin, they always saw her very sad. She never smiled at us. This sadness, this anguish which we noted in her, penetrated our souls. This sadness is caused by the offenses against God and the punishment for sinners. We've got the background today, the, tonight's conference. We've covered the background for this. Tomorrow's tonight's conference, we, there'll be two parts to it. The first part will be walking back through this vision using the stuff that we've covered tonight and, and giving a, 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 as probable an interpretation based on what, what we've heard from tonight as to the exact meaning of that vision, what the probable contents are uh, of, of, the, of the words of Our Lady. We can only be probable, certainly, we don't know. We confer a lot from both the vision and that. And then uh, we'll, we'll close the mission with, with concrete advices on the spiritual life. We'll now expose the Most Blessed Sacrament and all their confessions.